With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The Unofficial Bengals Podcast. Welcome to the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. In today's episode, we're going to review the quarterback position, and I cannot wait to share what I found out about Joe Burrow. We all know he had a great season last year, but I dug up some information and stats through research that are pretty mind-blowing, and it's going to be some good stuff. I think you guys are going to like it. Tom McLevy is going to stop in for another McLevy Minute. Seb Talk Sports is going to discuss some proposed changes for the NFL. And we're going to introduce a new segment. It's called X's and O's with Sands. So Sands is an ex-football player who knows a ton about technique and personnel and schemes and strategy. So he's going to come on on a regular basis and kind of educate us all on the finer points of football. I'd like to thank our sponsor, at Bengals Highlights on Instagram, the best Instagram page out there. Great highlights, great music, definitely something you guys got to check out. So before we get started with today's episode, I wanted to talk about preseason and training camp starting up. So on Tuesday the 21st, rookies are scheduled to report. Then a couple days later, it's quarterbacks and injured players from last year. And then on the 28th, it's going to be everybody else reporting. So we're pretty much getting right into it. Now, from what I'm hearing, they're going to take a few days for testing, multiple testing. So on those report dates, I would probably add like three to four days for when the players are actually going to hit the field. But we're getting there. So this is pretty exciting times. So they canceled preseason games, which I'm kind of relieved with because I thought we were going to have to play Minnesota and then go to Atlanta, which I hate the turf in Atlanta, so I was feeling like that game could be an injury game for a lot of players. So I'm kind of glad that we're not going to have to do that. So without having any preseason games, we're going to have to take an intelligent approach to things in training camp and the preseason. I would say you got to get your starters 75-80% of the reps you know, they're not going to have any game experience to get stuff together. You, you have a lot of new free agents on defense. You obviously have a new quarterback. You have a young offensive line. So I want to see those starters get most of the reps. And, you know, we're going to have to let the backup guys make the most of their reps and try to figure things out on the fly. we got to get our starters ready. And it's unfortunate because there's going to be some guys that get left out in the cold. I think what the teams have 90 players on their roster – And if you take the 53-man and the practice squad of 12, which is 12 this year, up from 10, you have 65 players. So there's going to be 25 players that are going to get cut, and a lot of those guys might not even have a chance to show what they can do before they get cut. So one thing I was hoping that the NFL would do, since they're making a lot of changes on the fly, I'd love to see them increase the size of the practice squad. Just to protect some of these new players that you brought in that you're never going to get a fair look at this year. And it's hard to say goodbye to those guys without actually giving them a chance. And, you know, you might be passing up a great player. Uh, It was 10 players on the practice squad. This year it's now 12. In 2022 it's going to be 14. But for this year, because of the circumstances, I I wish they could expand it by three to five players. I know that's a lot, but I'd like to see 15, 18 players on the practice squad. So to get an accrued year as a practice squad player, you need to play for the team for at least six weeks. And that comes with a salary of $136,000 if a guy has an accrued year. 
So it's not a crazy amount of money to add three to five players to the practice squad. You know, if they add three, you're talking about another $500,000 in salary. I know, easy for me to say, right? You know, NFL teams do have that kind of money, and maybe they can increase the salary cap to account for a handful of extra practice squad players. So the key to this training camp is going to be to get the offensive line working together with Joe Burrow. You know that Burrow's going to come in and have the playbook memorized. That's not going to be an issue. It's just going to be a matter of the muscle memory and practicing the plays and the movements and stuff like that. So it's very important that he gels with that offensive line. And what's good is we're not playing preseason games, so we can now have Mixon and Bernard in there with him a lot. And that that way they can work on their running back protections as well. Because I think that's going to be one of the keys for us this year is how to protect him. If you get him protection, you know he's going to be able to throw the ball all over the field. And I'm going to get more into Joe Burrow in just a minute, but I think that's the key. I think he's going to have a great year. You just got to keep him protected. You don't want him to have a rookie season like David Carr did with the Houston Texans years and years ago. He was also a number one pick, highly touted. They thought he was going to turn the franchise around. Great size, all the skill in the world. He got killed. He got sacked so many times. I think it just made him gun-shy for his whole career. Now, I think Burrow has a little more fortitude than that, so even if he does get pounded around this year, I think he's still going to be all right. But I think priority one is keeping that guy upright, letting him work through his rookie year and on to bigger and better things. So it's going to be a weird one this year. I was looking forward to going to training camp myself. That's not going to happen now, but that's okay. Let's let the NFL do whatever it takes to get everyone to the starting line healthy and ready to play because I want this season to happen. Last thing I want is, you know, a game or two in September and then a bunch of guys get sick and they cancel the season or they postpone it until January. You know, with, with everything that's going on and it's, it's kind of a crappy time right now, I just want to get four or five solid months of football. It'll really, it'll really be good for the brain and for the soul. So with that said, I'd like to introduce our first segment. We're going to analyze the quarterbacks, and it's called Roster Analysis. <laughs> roster Analysis. Joe Burrow. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Joe Burrow is my absolute favorite Bengals drafted player of all time. Not only did he win a national championship, he played in the toughest conference in college football, We've all heard that he had the greatest season of any college quarterback of all time. And when you dig into the numbers and some of the stuff I'm going to I'm going to show you guys in a little bit, you're going to be blown away. I can't believe some of the stats that I'm reading about this guy. So before we get into that, let's talk about some of the other quarterbacks that the Bengals have drafted in the first round. David Klingler came from Houston. Run and shoot offense. Really struggled in the NFL. Achilles Smith Oregon Sorry, Achilles, same thing. He really had a rough career. Carson Palmer, USC. He was everyone's number one when he came out. I mean, what a pure passer. He was born to be a quarterback. But do you think that he has the same leadership qualities as Joe Burrow? Can you see Carson Palmer doing the tire drill? You know, the the famous clip where we see Burrow just going all out and winning this battle over a tire, rolling all over the ground? We never had that with Carson Palmer. Yeah, we had a great passer, but, you know, put him in a museum. I want a football player. So I'm not trying to diss on anyone's favorite college teams or conferences or if that's your alma mater. But 
playing for LSU in the SEC is a lot tougher than playing at those other schools that I just mentioned. And Joe Burrow did it at the highest level. So that's a reason for optimism. All right, so let's go into his game a little bit. Now, I'm not the kind of guy, and I've said this before, I'm, who's just going to throw stats at you constantly. Because if you just start hearing number after number after number, you just start tuning it out. I want to get you facts. First off, I'm going to talk about the type of plays that he had a perfect passer rating on. So we're not going to talk numbers. We're just going to talk about the plays that he had a perfect rating on. And what a perfect passer rating is, is no interceptions, at least one touchdown, a completion percentage of at least 77.5. Sorry for the numbers there, but I just wanted to let you know because the misconception is that a perfect passer rating means that you didn't throw an incomplete pass. I just wanted to clear that up with you guys because that's not exactly it. Okay, so with that said, let's go to the different plays that he had a perfect passer rating on. Play action. In other words, I know we all know play action, right? Fake the handoff. You're not looking downfield when you're faking the handoff. So he's faking the handoff, now getting his look, had a perfect passer rating on plays like that. They talk about his arm strength. Perfect passer rating on 15-plus vertical routes. So those are balls down the field. You know, your fly patterns, your post patterns. Even more impressive, another perfect passer rating on 15-plus yard horizontal passes. So those are really the tough balls. Those are those long, deep outs or even a, a... a long cross across the middle of the field. You know, it's those type of plays. So arm strength is not a factor if he if he's pulling a perfect passer rating on what are considered the longer passes and the more difficult passes. Okay, in addition to that, now here's some plays that he didn't have a perfect rating on, but he was still the highest rated in college, and he's over 100 passer rating on all these things too. Out-of-the-pocket plays, right? No one's calling him Lamar Jackson, But when he was forced out of the pocket, he was the highest-graded quarterback in college this year. How about this? Highest-graded on throwing to his second read. One number, 142 passer rating on that. Now think about that. That means you're going for your first guy, not open, going to the second guy. He was almost flawless on making those kind of reads. That bodes well for the NFL, too. Because, come on, he's going to be looking for A.J. Green on a lot of plays, And then you're going to find the usual double bracket on A.J. So according to his track record, he's going to be able to find that second receiver most of the time. Another great stat. Highest graded quarterback on throwing in tight windows. And to be an NFL quarterback, that's what you need to do. You know, you have good defensive players all over the board. You know, college, they're good. But you get, you get some weeks off. You know, you get some guys that aren't as good. NFL, there's no weeks off. All these guys can play. You're always throwing into tight windows. So let's think about the things that you need for the NFL. They want to establish a play-action game. He's great at that. You need to be able to throw those deep outs. That's what they say. If you can't throw that 15-yard out, you're not going to belong in the NFL. Perfect passer rating on it. And the deep ball. Yeah, he doesn't have a Dan Marino arm. But, hey, I I think he's more Joe Montana than Dan Marino. And look at how many championships Joe won, unfortunately. You know, think about that. And under pressure, you're going to be under pressure in the NFL. Highest rated on that. Throwing to the second read, it's going to happen rampantly because they're going to be all over AJ. Highest rated on that. Tight windows. Everything we just talked about. So it's not just he had the greatest season out of any college quarterback. It's not that. It's the type of throws that he was highly rated on are all the throws that you need to make in the NFL. 
I'm really excited about this guy. I, I can't see it going badly for us. As I talked about in the opening segment, protection is going to be the main thing. you got to keep him upright. So I can't be more excited for this guy to start playing. He has everything I like. He's confident in himself, but he doesn't come across as a cocky jerk. He's not looking to be Hollywood. He's not looking to be Cam Newton. You know, you watch the interviews. He just wants to get his point across and then move on to start thinking and working on football. This guy is a football player. That's all he wants to do is be a football player. He doesn't want to be a pop star or an actor or have his face all over the magazines. And that, believe me, that stuff is going to come his way once the world catches wind of how this guy plays. But I like it. I want that as my leader. Again, I'm going to go back to it. Carson Palmer... You're lucky if he had a conversation with you if you were a backup player. Joe Burrow's going to embrace that whole team. Let's have Carson Palmer go against Joe Burrow in the tire competition. You tell me who's going to win that one. So even if things go south for Joe and he gets tagged a lot in his opening season, maybe the offensive line doesn't hold up, maybe there's some rookie mistakes, I think he's still a tough enough guy with the mental fortitude to not let it just hamper his whole career and be this gun-shy quarterback. We got ourselves a winner here. I cannot be more excited. And believe me, the nation is going to change their narrative on the Bengals very shortly. And I am confident we're going to go to a Super Bowl with this guy. Ryan Finley. So although there's some debate about who's going to be the backup this year, I think it still is going to be Ryan Finley. He had a really good preseason last year. And then, you know, when the real bullets started flying in those three games... He got exposed a little bit. And it's tough. You can't just say three games as a rookie defines someone's career. And I don't want to pin that on him. Again, he's a Bengal. I'm rooting for him. I want him to be a great quarterback. I want him to be a starting level quarterback. He has the football acumen. He has those intangibles when it comes to that. So when you look at the numbers from last year, those are the things that make you take a step back and say, we're not sure what we have in Ryan Finley. 62 passer rating, which is really low. The stat that really gets me is the yards per attempt, 5.4 yards per attempt. That That's the sign of a quarterback who either A, doesn't have the arm strength to put the ball downfield, or B, he's so panicky back there that he's just dumping off short passes to wide receivers and, and dump offs to running backs. So that's really what alarms me when I see these numbers from a quarterback. He got sacked a bunch too, which doesn't really coincide when someone's getting rid of the ball and dumping it off quickly. It's... Troublesome when you see a bunch of sacks as well, but that could be a function of the offensive line. Here's the problem with Ryan Finley, though. This whole offseason, and rightfully so, is going to be based on getting Joe Burrow ready. So Finley's not going to get a lot of reps again. So it's hard to expect him to grow a lot from last year. You know, hopefully he takes those three games of game experience and really uses his mistakes and successes in those games to improve his game, but he's just not going to get enough reps this year to to really advance to... A, that much of a higher level unless you know he does some behind the scenes stuff that we're not aware of so either way he's going to be the number two basically assistant quarterbacks coach for Joe Burrow and uh, if there is a problem with Burrow we're going to see Finley in there so let's pull for him let's hope that he improves as needed and let's not just write him off because of three bad games as a rookie Jake Dolagala So Dolagal is an interesting candidate at the quarterback position. I know a lot of Bengal fans want to see him jump ahead of Finley for the number two spot because he's got such a gun for an arm. And he did good in the preseason last year. You know, no interceptions, 100 quarterback rating. I don't think he's going to pass Finley on the depth chart this year just because of the intangibles and the football knowledge that Finley brings. 
And those six, seven quarterbacks, sometimes they have a lot of trouble in the NFL because their delivery is a little bit longer than a smaller guy. They're not getting the ball out as quickly. Yeah, he does have the rocket for an arm, but a lot of it is how fast you can get the ball out. So I'm hoping that that's one of the things that he's been working on in the offseason is getting a quicker release. And I think they are going to keep three quarterbacks on, on the roster this year because if they practice squad Dolagala, someone else is going to pick him up. If he really shows signs of improvement and you don't want to lose him, you're going to have to put him on the active roster. And let's also hope that we don't see him play it down this year because we want to make sure that Burrow is just upright for 16 games. Or maybe Burrow comes out in the second half of a couple games because we're winning by so much. McLeavy Minute. All right, we're here with Tom McLeavy. Tom, how are you today? Good, Frankie. Big, big time of the year, finally. Baseball is upon us. If there's any time that the city of Cincinnati could host a champion's parade, it could be this year. The Reds are stacked. By far the best pitching in the division, if not the National League, top to bottom. This could be a championship year for the Reds. And with it being 60 games, it's a sprint. So good things could happen to the Reds this year. Pretty good take, Tom. I'm an American League fan myself, but I definitely pull for the Reds. Well, this year they're having both leagues do the DH, so no more pitchers hitting in the National League, so it spices it up really nice. Without a doubt, that's exciting. So, Tom, let's get on to some football stuff. So, I heard this week that Chad Johnson is going to be coaching or mentoring T. Higgins. What are your thoughts on that? Great receiver, but just too corny with the, the whole gimmick scheme. Listen, if he could help him out in these little workout sessions of what to look for, that the DBs would try and pull on him, etc. Listen, it, it'll help the kid. But any more than that, I I don't like it. I don't. I just hope. The kid just takes away from what to expect by the DBs and leave it at that. It is what it is. Hopefully he can gain some knowledge and sticks to the playbook and, and learns the plays and uh, moves forward that way. That's, that's all we can hope for. So, Tom, this was a big week for wide receivers as well because A.J. Green re-signed for at least one year. What are your thoughts on, on that whole scenario? He- it's a no-brainer due to the fact that he hasn't played in basically a year and a half. But sort of proud that Mike Brown just didn't do his normal, you know, we signed our own guys and just throw the money at him because A.J. is going to be a Hall of Famer. I want him to be Bengal for life. And just stuck with his guns and gave him the one-year franchise tag and you know it's a a prove it year to show the organization that he's that he's back and he can stay healthy so i'm giving props to mike brown on that one you know hopefully he does play the way he's capable of because it only benefits joe burrow and the rest of the receivers to have him as a number one receiver and all the other guys follow because he could be the difference maker that Burrow could lean on. And you know what, Tom, AJ Green recently said that he feels that he's got at least four good years left in him. Do you think that's an accurate assessment? 
every player says the same thing, but until they show it, it's all talk. I hear you on that, Tom. All right, so this is also a big week because uh, training camp for rookies starts on Tuesday the 21st. What are your thoughts on training camp, the preseason, what's going to happen NFL-wise, you know, just in general? How, how are you feeling about things starting up and where they're going to go? Well, it's, it's a big step due to the fact that they're going to see what happens when guys are together, if any get COVID, if it spreads. It's a big uh, hurdle for the t- see how the teams handle it with players in their own facilities. So, uh, yes, it's a big step, and hopefully they, they can get through this like baseball actually is. Baseball seems that they're handling this pretty well. Not too many big stars acquired corona. Yeah, it's a big step with the rookies, and, and I'm sure they're eager to get at it with just sitting back basically summer since the draft. And also with the fact that, you know, the regular season, we can't even talk about a regular season, even starting on time, until we get some semblance of a training camp. So it's very interesting this time of the year. Wow, Tom. Excellent takes, as always. Thank you for coming on, my man. No problem, Frankie. Talk to you soon. So, what really grinds your gears? Stiff arms to the face. How often do you see a running back just chugging downfield, defensive back closing in on him, defensive back gets close to the running back, boom, nails him right in the face, right in the face mask, actually. Or how about running back or even a quarterback getting run out of bounds by a defender, they're in kind of close quarters, and they grab the face mask and kind of pull him out of bounds with them. We've all seen both of these things happen a lot. First off, the NFL is trying to protect against concussions, so this is an unnecessary blow to the head. And they never call it on offensive players. As a defensive player, you're going to tackle a guy, you accidentally hook his face mask, and you're getting a 15-yard penalty. Offensive players, you see it all the time. How often do they call illegal hands to the face on a stiff arm? You never see it. So there's a double standard there, and I think they should try to even it up. You know, most of the rules favor the offense as it is, and I'm okay with that because they want the game to be high-scoring and exciting. I'm all down with that. But player safety comes in. You can't have one side of the ball be able to pop the other side in the face, and if the other side does it, they're going to get in trouble for it. It's just, I don't like the unfairness in there. And again, it's about player safety. Concussions are life-altering and possibly career-ending. You know, guys get a bunch of concussions in their career. You know, five, ten years after they play, they start showing some signs of that. It's It's not fun to have to go through the rest of your life with basically brain damage. And think about this. You're a defensive back running down the field. You have Derrick Henry and you in the open field. He's 6'3", 240. You take a shot to the face from him that you're not expecting, that could do some serious damage. So for the sake of player safety and the sake of fairness, I think they should get rid of the stiff arm to the face. Hit him in the shoulder pads. Hit him in the dead in the chest. Bat his arms away. I'm fine with all that. Just no hands to the face anymore. No stiff arms to the face. So that's one of the things that grinds my gears about the NFL. Stiff arms to the face. All right, we're getting ready for a new segment. I'm going to bring in Sands, ex-football player, football strategist extraordinaire. Can't wait for this segment. We're going to have him on as a recurring guest, and he's just going to keep breaking down some of the finer points in football in an interesting, entertaining way. 
and your knowledge is going to really grow when you hear this guy talk about football. So without further ado, this is X's and O's with Sands. X's and O's with Sands. All right, we're here with Sands, who's an expert on NFL and football strategy. Sands, how are you today? I'm good. How are you? All right, man. So the NFL uses a lot in this terminology with 10 personnel, 11 personnel, 12 personnel. You know, there's a, a new language that's going on. I was wondering if you could explain it to our listeners. Sure. Uh, those have almost become buzzwords now, but it really just means how many tight ends and running backs you have on the field at the time. You have five offensive linemen, a quarterback, and that makes six, and then you have the personnel group. Your first number is going to be your running backs, and your second number is your tight ends. So 11 personnel is one running back and one tight end, and then you fill it out, the rest of it, with wide receivers. Zero personnel would be five wide receivers, no running backs, and no tight ends. And then all the way 32 or 23 personnel is two running backs and three tight ends for 23, and three running backs and two tight ends for 32. The Bengals mostly ran 11 personnel, much like the Rams did a few years ago and still do now. Where Zach Taylor's from, which is just um, one running back and one tight end and three wide receivers. So, Sands, if they have a running back and an H back and a tight end, is that considered two running backs or is that considered two tight ends? That will really depend on who is the H back. So, if last year we used uh, CJ Uzama in the H back role and he's considered a tight end, so that'll be considered a tight end. But if you can remember, the last real fullback I remember us having was uh, Chris Presley back in, like, 2011. But if he was in there instead, that's two running backs. Got it. So, again, for our listeners, can you break down 10, 11, and 12 personnel? Sure. 10 personnel is one running back and zero tight ends and four wide receivers. 11 personnel is one running back, one tight end, and three wide receivers. And 12 personnel is one running back, two tight ends, and two wide receivers. So as far as the Bengals went last year, what personnel groups did they use the most, and what, in your opinion, were the personnel groups that were most effective and least effective? The personnel group they used the most was definitely 11 personnel. They ran it on 76% of their plays, which the next closest is 18% from 12 personnel. They ran some 10 personnel, which only... 10 plays it looks like I'd like to see them use that a little bit more but I understand that the offensive line is somewhat deficient they all had their own strengths but without Tyler Eifert I don't know if I want to see too much 12 personnel because Uzama and Sample are both works in progress so Sands you feel that the best personnel grouping for them this upcoming season would be 11 again I do think 11 personnel would probably be the best grouping for them depending on down and distance, but in general, yes. It's what Zach Taylor is most familiar with coming from Los Angeles. We have the wide receivers to run three wide receivers. If we had a better offensive line, I'd look into 10 personnel more because I think we have more value having like a Green, Ross, Boyd, and Tate or Higgins on the field compared to having one of those spots taken by Sample or Uzama, but they're better blockers to give a chip before they release. So, Sands, we have a bunch of good wide receivers, and I know a common NFL term is they refer to it as empty. Can you explain that to our listeners? 
Yeah, and that's a common misconception where people say empty and they use it as a synonym for zero personnel having five wide receivers, but really being in the formation of an empty formation, which is no running backs, you really want to be in something 11 personnel so that you can look over and see, the quarterback can look and see who's matched up on the running back. Because if it's a linebacker, then you're probably looking at a man coverage if he's out wide. And if it's a cornerback, then you're probably looking at a zone coverage. Defenses can be tricky, but that's a quick key to help the quarterback from an empty formation. Wow, Sands. Excellent analysis. So how do people find you on social media? On Twitter, Bengals underscore Sands. And then if you happen to be on Reddit and find anything I've wrote, it's just uh, Sands Swagata, S-A-N-S-W-A-G-A-T-A. Excellent. Well, thanks again for coming by today, man. Oh, thank you for having me. Seb Talks Sports. All right, we're here with Seb Talks Sports. Seb, how are you today? I'm doing good, Frank. How about yourself? All right, my friend. So let's get right down to business. What would be five things that you would change about the NFL? Well, firstly, I think you've got to reduce or remove preseason games. While they give rookies and fringe roster guys a taste of the big league, in my opinion, they do more harm than good in a number of different ways. Firstly, preseason injury can wipe out a star player's entire regular season and even destroy the hope some fringe players have of making the final roster, particularly regarding concussions. 49 concussions were recorded in the 2019 preseason games alone, an increase from 34 the year prior. And the league's chief medical officer, Dr. Alan Stills, said, quote, People who did not make the roster and participated in preseason games were three times more likely to have a concussion as those that did make the roster. As long as the preseason exists, this will continue to grow. Number two, it's a bad product. The games we see in August are far from the high quality we come to see from September and beyond. Starters see no more than one series of play, and the rest is second and third stringers facing off against each other. Like I said, while it's great to give those guys a chance to take the field, Fans just aren't getting their money's worth, and the TV product is not that entertaining. And also, unrealistic expectations. People still need to learn that the preseason records mean absolutely nothing. Remember those 2017 Browns who went 0-16? They went 4-0 in the preseason. A good record in August sets pundits to make unrealistic expectations and predictions for the regular season ahead. But in total honesty, it just needs to be disregarded altogether. Number two, give each team a possession in overtime. Now, I totally understand the argument that if a team deserves to win, it should be able to make a stop. But I also feel it's incredibly unfair not to give each team an equal chance to win on offence in overtime. At the moment, a coin flip determines which team gets the ball and a touchdown ends the game for the offensive side. Take the AFC Championship game, the Patriots and the Chiefs, two seasons ago. Winning the coin toss allowed Brady to march down the field and Burkhead to crash into the end zone and send the Chiefs packing. But if Mahomes had got the chance to do the same, there's not a doubt in my mind that he would have matched that drive. And personally, I think he'd be sitting on two rings right now. Number three, get rid of the tie. Maybe this is just my obsession with neat numbers and stats, but I hate when teams have a tie on their record. It's got to go. Complicates playoff calculations, and quite frankly, it's just an eyesore. Who cares that the 2019 Cardinals had a week one tie against the Lions? They only won five games and came dead last in their division. Overtime regulations need to be altered to ensure that each and every game of the NFL season has a winner like the NBA. Because for me, a tie does absolutely nothing. 
and almost deems games pointless. Number four, give the fans more of a voice. As the years go by and social media continues to grow, not only player power but also fan power is now the highest it's ever been without a shadow of a doubt. Without the fans, there is no NFL. I think that as the season progresses and teams become either more or less interesting, primetime games should all be subject to flex scheduling from week two so we can see better matchups being broadcast rather than just another Giants versus Cowboys game, which seems to be on primetime about five times a season. <laughs> Give the teams more of a voice and an influence on the league because keeping them satisfied should and must be a priority for Roger Goodell. And fifth and finally, bring back the excitement of the onside kick. Recent rule changes have meant that the onside kick is now a pointless play. I love the excitement that the onside kick used to bring to the league, with the best example coming in Super Bowl 44, as Sean Payton elected to begin the second half with an onside kick, which is a success. But beyond this, when more achievable, it gives trailing teams a real chance of making a comeback. Player safety is incredibly important, which is why the rule had to be changed in the first place, but we need to find a way to make the onside kick achievable again. Seb, I agree with all those improvements. I hope the NFL starts listening to you because I think it would be better off. Um, I wanted to thank you for coming by today, man. You've got it, man. Anytime. All right, that'll do it for this episode. Next episode, we're going to dive right into training camp. Tom McLevy is going to be back for another McLevy Minute. And we're going to have more of our regular segments and guests. I'd like to thank our sponsor, at Bengals Highlights, and a bunch of other pages that I think are informative, interesting, and pages that I like interacting with. Bengals Talk, Joe Goodberry, Westside Who Day, Bengals The Fan Zone 23, Bengals Access, Stripe Pipe Bengals, Bengals Center, Bengals Junction, Who Day SZN, Bengals Topic, Bengals Captain, of course, Who Day Nation News, Zim Who Day, Trey IDK, also known as Bengals Planet, Bengal Jim's BTR, Bengals Burrow, Carson from Who Day Insider, who's going to be on one of the next couple episodes. The list goes on and on. Thank you for listening to the unofficial Bengals podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. The unofficial Bengals podcast.